1: Feels like progress. The Chime credit bill Visa credit card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
2: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I got Joel. I got Dennis. I got charts. Well, Joel has charts. Joel, I just mentioned how we ripped higher a half hour ago on yet another headline. Tell us about it.
3: I don't know what to say. I mean, there's days where I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words here. Uh, What's the
4: headline? Tell us the headline.
2: <laughs> it came from Reuters, and, it, and the Reuters quoted Vladimir Putin. And the quote was this. There are certain positive shifts negotiators on on our side tell me, Putin said in a meeting with his Belarusian counterpart, Alexander Lukashenko, adding that talks continued, quote, Practically on a daily basis, Putin did not elaborate, but said in the televised remarks that he would go into more detail with Lukashenko. That's the extent of it. <laughs> that's it. That's enough.
4: Positive talks. Algos read only positive talks from that headline. They don't read the article. And there is no article. Read... There's no there. That I read you the article. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's it. Anyway, Two we know the algos. They see positive. Talks they buy and they don't ask any questions. It's a simple program. Algorithmic trading is so simplistic, at least the best programs are simplistic. Positive positive talks, de escalation, buy, negative talks, escalation, sell. There's your algorithm that's what's making the money right now, and it's killing it. So, I mean, now they got to turn around and I hope they take the profits right away because what a rip roaring. Rip your face off, squeeze there for at 6.30 when that headline breaks. But again, I'm going to reiterate what I've been saying nonstop for the last month. We're in a headline-driven market. Nothing matters except the next headline coming out of the Ukraine.
3: But, uh, you know, it's so hard to separate. I mean, obviously, you know, the news is the news, right? And you can't predict or, or you know, especially in this market environment what's going on. But if you just like, like the price action from yesterday to me was good price action. It was constructive. Yes, we were down on the day. We opened lower. We took out the pre-market low. You know things looked a little, a little saucy there. It looks like we mo- do, you know, more do some more work in the, you know, in the forty two hundred handle. But then from about 115, 130 on, there was a really strong bid in the market. And, you know, 55-handle rally, you know, I looked at it from, you know, 115 on. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll I'll try and buy the dip, you know, overnight if there's a dip. Well, I bought the dip, and I got stopped out of the dip, you know? And it's just just so hard.
4: Stops are stopping. You're getting stopped out of everything right now if you're using stops. That's one thing we're in such a choppy environment. Because think about what a stop really is. And it's a good lesson. A stop is selling the dip and buying the rip. That's really what it is. So, I mean, you know, you're trailing stops on something. When it dips, okay, oh, I got stopped out. What are you, in essence, doing? You're selling the dip. So, stops or risk management is really struggling right now. Traders who are really using tight risk management are probably really struggling. So you gotta loosen it up. That's the only way you gotta loosen it up. You can't be coming in and saying, I'm gonna stop myself out if I get down one percent in this thing. You get stopped out of everything. So you gotta go wider and you gotta be, you know, timing of your entries are critical. And that's why you can't be chasing anything in this market. You know, like like my Halliburton buy. I took a zero heat on that. Thirty four, I bought it thirty four dollars when it was tanking. But I didn't buy it right on the initial tank and then it started to stabilize. And if you look at the chart, look when I strike on that. And, and I was putting it so so you see where it was all stabilizing around 34 Joel. We had the initial whoosh, the initial flush. So go back if you point out you're going Do to I go on 60 minute. Yeah, yeah. You, Top left, top left chart.
3: Okay.
4: And look at the first oh, 15 minutes. Look at yeah. the first flush and then the second flush. It's on the second flush. See the second flush? That boom. Yep. And then all the stabilization at 34 afterwards. Look at all the stabilization. Did not want to go th- through through it. You could see buyers starting to accumulate. Now you already had in your head you're buying on an overall uptrend here too. This isn't like buying the dip. This it looks like it you know it is on on that chart. But on an overall you know if you look at the right chart the the top right so many damn charts there. Um, you can see Halliburton's clear uptrend. So you're buying a dip on a strong stock. And what happened was boom 34. And I never took any heat on it. I don't even know if I was down a nickel. Like, I literally took, I think I bought 3405 and it never went through 34. So I was down like six cents. No heat. So you got to really time your entries. And then it goes 35, 36, 37. And I ended up selling it yesterday because you know what? I made 11% one day. I'm like, when you make 11% one day, you take the money and run. And, you know, maybe I'm going to get a chance to rebuy it here. Comes back down to the 34, 35. I'll probably rebuy it again. But that's the market environment we're in. Take the money and run when you got it. And you got to really, you know, be looking at trying to, you know, it, it stops are tricky, but you really got to be critical with your entries.
3: You what really about something else here? And we'll make this uh, a little, we'll turn this into a little learning experience here too. And I don't know if this factored into your, your, uh, your trading at all or your investing or whatever. But what, what was 34? When you, you what here. was thirty four in 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 uh, for a good part of February?
4: Oh, I mean, resistance. It did. Yep. I looked at that too, and okay. I even I think I even said that with the purchase. I mean, we had thirty four, so old resistance becomes new support. it's simple, found, it, simple, it simple, worked. simple. Yeah, simple. It technically worked. So technicals can work. still work. You've just got to you know get in there, and obviously, in the absence of headlines, we know it's you know all that works. So, but it's the next headline that's going to drive the next price. So now you get. You know, a headline in Halliburton's going down today because all of a sudden, you know, there's a perfect inverse correlation between oil stocks and the spy right now. That doesn't exist long term, but right now it is existing big time. You know, when the spy is going up, the oil's going down, the oil's going up, the spy is going down. That's just the way it's working right now. So understanding those relationships, too, are critical. But, you know, we don't know what the next headline is going to be. Maybe Ukraine comes out and says, we haven't had any good talks. Yeah. You, you don't
3: know. There's probably better than a 50% chance of that happening.
4: yeah there's gonna be there's gonna be 25 more headlines positive negative positive negative positive positive negative negative that's what's gonna happen and I unless we get like you know eventually get a deal signed and it's over and on that day this market is going to rip so fast. I mean, if they get a deal signed, and this is just all scenario analysis, why well, wouldn't want to be really short this market? Yeah, either. it can be. Because if they sign a deal and it's over, like, you know, they're going to stop, you know, ceasefire, a ceasefire deal, this market could rip, you know, it could rip two, 3,000 Dow points on that. I'm not joking. So it could rip huge on that. But then it'll rip on that. And then everybody, like, we'll wait about interest rates. So there's still that one that nobody's talking about yet, but interest rates are still a concern here too. So I think it's all about balance right now. Nobody knows, and 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 again, I'm going to say, if, if you're listening to somebody and they're telling you where the market's going to be for six months, stop listening to them because six they minutes. have no idea what they're talking about. Nobody, not one person, except maybe Putin, knows <laughs> what how this is going to end. Nobody knows. So it's all just little spots, estimations playing chop that's how you're making money right now playing the chop taking the money when you got to get 10% gain 11% one day in Halliburton take the money take the money because you know what the next headline is going to be oh exactly what's happened overnight oh we're having a little bit of talks and Halliburton's down a buck and maybe it falls two bucks you know you don't know so you got to take the money while you got it. We got a huge dip in Halliburton, bought it on a star, strong stock, buying dips on strong stocks. And then we get the huge rip 24 hours later. What do I do? Sell the rip. So will I get it back? Probably. I mean, my square, too, same thing. I mean, I've seen it just multiple times. I almost got back to my price yesterday, but didn't get back under 100 Will I rebuy it under nineties again? Probably. Because it's worked three or four times. So again, just playing the chop—you're buying dips, selling reps. I know I keep repeating myself, but you know it's the people who are chasing that are losing money. You don't want to chase in 2022.
2: That's the story, and and I, the point about this whole thing being over in one minute—like, that, like that's a possibility. It is. So, like, we we just don't obviously we, no one can say if or when, but it's it's on the table. It is right, and oh yeah. So that that, that's what you got to know. If you are
4: massively short this market, that's your risk. That they sign a ceasefire agreement. This market will be up so fast you will not even know what hit. The algos will go nuts. The algos go we we take it up 60 handles, Joel. On oh, there's a positive. There's a little bit of positive talks coming out from Putin. Could you imagine a ceasefire like agreement signed out of the blue? it would be insane but i'm not saying we can go long because we don't know we don't this could go on for this could be for a long, long time
3: you almost feel like the opposite headline it's like you always like you have to do the opposite like this headline came out and it's positive now you have i mean it's just the way this has been going yeah now you almost like got to wait you know it's just not going to be that smooth and uh, who knows not, maybe that's
4: that's exactly it it's just none of it's going to be smooth
3: Maybe he's just waiting, you know. Maybe okay, I'm gonna act nice a little bit, and he's, you know, drumming up another hundred and fifty thousand troops. I mean, you that know, yeah. I mean, it's just it's very, 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 very hard to predict. I mean, we're we're kind of kind of cratering now as we speak. Well, because probably next headline's gonna be I don't know what this
4: guy's talking about. We haven't any talk at all. <laughs> That's gonna be. That's it. what's happening. That's what keeps happening. So you got to sell. What am I doing in? What was I doing this morning? When we rallied like that, I'm trying to sell stocks. I'm like, holy crap, we're up 60 handles on this. Trying to sell stocks, it's what I'm doing, and you know what? It's working. I was selling stocks at 431, 43, you know, spy. So 432. I mean, now we just started puking here again. So it's it's going to be like this. Get used to this. This is the American environment we're in right now. And even after the ceasefire, then he's still got interest rate concerns. So I just don't want to be like people keep saying, well, you got 45% cash. What are you doing? Well, I'm a market timer. It's my job to time the market. It's what I do for a living. I'm not confident enough to go all in right now. In 2020, it was awesome. You're going all in. Yeah, people are on margin. People are buying stocks. I mean, if you're doing that right now, you are in the wrong market environment. And maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you're going to buy on margin. And maybe you're going to get a ceasefire agreement. And you're going to kill it. And then you're going to say, Dennis didn't know what he's talking about. It's all about risk. You know, you got to analyze risk, too. Like I said, it's difficult to manage risk when you get stopped out of everything, but you can't just go all in. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a bad headline and, you know, you're eating it. I don't like losing money. That's the how I've been successful in this business for 22 years. It's not about that. I like making money. It's that I don't like losing money. So you've got to have risk management, but you've got to be wider right now. So go smaller and go wider. With your stops, it's you still yeah. got to stop out. When you're
2: wrong, you're wrong, but you got to go smaller and you got to yeah. go wider. And, and then Double T is playing chess here while we're all playing checkers. He says, "Don't let's not forget. Good news is bad news. The Fed is watching. That's a whole other thing. That's
4: can- the whole. <clears throat> that's what we're gonna have after. That's what we have to look forward to. Yeah. So once we do eventually get a ceasefire, and I hope that happens, that it doesn't escalate into obviously a, a lot worse situation." But even if that does happen, then we're like, oh yeah, interest rates are still going up. Oh yeah, yeah. hyperinflation is still here. There's yep. three main things happening here. We have got a war. We got maybe it's not hyperinflation, but it's serious inflation. Hyper is a, a loaded right, word. Right, so let's we'll say slow, serious slow inflation. Down
2: a little bit on the hyper.
4: Serious inflation, and we've got interest rates that are going up. None of this is good for stocks.
3: And so, if you think about the other the other headline that was out overnight, which I saw was. Um, uh that uh he was moving more west uh making more advances I, west anyway.
2: no I makes no sense I, go I,
3: go east baby don't go west you know it, it's just very very difficult it doesn't fun. make it doesn't sense. sense all right well, but let's move on let's talk to the individual thoughts here. nothing makes sense anymore
2: um let's talk
4: what's about...
3: Dennis's shirt everyone wants to see Dennis's shirt
4: oh, I've worn this one before it's like it's a, it's a playoff of uh straight Windsor
3: <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Joel
4: doesn't know Compton, N.W.A.
2: And this is the whitest person. It's it,
4: it, straight out of Compton. It's the not... name of N.W.A.'s awesome album, and this was the thing. I got straight out of Windsor. That is how long... I love N.W.A. Long ago... I, I loved don't think NWA. you wore that before. How long? Ago... I I always. I was born. I'm born '76. I love gangster rap. Who doesn't love gangster rap? I love gangster rap. Look at Spencer. Snoop. <laughs>
3: Snoop Dogg, oh, really? Can you Snoop do Can um, oh, yeah. can you can you do any of those? What's your favorite Snoop Dogg song?
4: Gin and Juice. You got to go Gin and Juice. Classic, no
2: doubt.
3: Sipping uh, yeah. right. on
4: gin and juice. Laid back oh. with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. That's why he likes it, just for that line. <laughs> That's, right. the line.
3: That's the line. Oh, <laughs> boy. I hope Cameron's not watching. She's not. <laughs> oh,
2: Cameron's has
4: got to talk. Cameron, likes discuss- no, <laughs> like gangster
2: rap? I bet you will oh. ask her. I bet Cameron oh. likes gangster rap, too. Alright. I, I, I'm moving us on here to DocuSign. This is kind of your... <laughs> yeah, Spencer's. It, like, oh my this, god, what are we going to do? This is, your, this is your mover of the morning here. Your big uh, disaster earnings support from overnight. I'll give you the numbers and then I'll give you some context to it. So they, uh, uh, EPS, 48 cents. They beat the estimate by a penny. Sales of 580 million versus a 561 million dollar estimate. So they beat on EPS to beat on sales. That's good. So why is the stock getting crushed? I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, the guidance, Q1 sales guidance came in below estimates. Fiscal year guidance, sales guidance also below estimates. Number two, and I can pull this up on the pro. This is the first quarter in uh, since they've been a public company, which is only since 2018. First quarter where they had an EPS decline. Their earnings per share actually went down on a quarter over quarter basis here. So uh, the the money line seems to have been uh, from on the conference call. I'll read you from the call right now from uh, what the CEO said. Uh, he said, while we excel at demand generation for many years uh, pre COVID, ultimately the shift in customer buying patterns coming out of the pandemic was quicker than we anticipated. And we didn't move fast enough as an organization. Uh, and blah blah yada yada yada. Uh, they are they are turning the ship around. Our move from capturing high volumes of customer demand to reverting back to generating demand is now well underway. We expect this work will continue through fiscal year twenty three as we make tangible progress throughout the year. So uh, demand fell off a cliff faster than expected, and they're going back to having to uh, basically pay more for customers, higher customer acquisition costs. It's not it's not that easy anymore as it was during COVID.
4: Somebody tweeted out the tweet. Twitter is awesome with some of the people. Some of the people are so witty, but they're like, "Oh, everybody in the market just realized that you can do what they do with a pen and a paper." <laughs> I'm like, <"K-> kind of. <laughs> Anyways, Spencer didn't like that, but no, S- simplistic is what it is. I mean, it's a very simplistic business. Um, it's just valuation. I mean, I use DocuSign, buy real estate, sell real estate, use DocuSign, use DocuSign for lots of things, but. Let's do some list. Like, I mean, this is it. This is what you got. You're going to pay billions of dollars because they took the pen and the paper and they put it online. That's a lot of money to pay. A lot of big valuations. What's, what's the market cap of this? It's an
2: market? amazing service. Let's be clear.
4: Amazing service. But all they did was this simple. Okay, well, we're, we're doing pen and paper. Could we do that
3: online? Yes, we we market cap? Well,
4: This I wasn't would... reinventing the wheel. It just made it a little bit more round.
2: I don't know what it is now, but as of the close, it was $18.5 billion. Yeah, you're paying $18.5 billion
4: because they took the pen and the paper and they put it online. Yeah, A lot okay. of money to pay. It's an awesome business. It's worth something. Is it worth $18 billion still? It definitely wasn't worth $70 billion when we were paying $70 billion for when the market was just ir- unbelievably irrational back in June, July, August, oh. September, October of 2021. Is it going back to $70 billion? I will say right now, I believe DocuSign will never go back to $300 a share unless they do some other stuff and they reinvent themselves. But it's a one-trick pony, really. Wait, is there, it not? Do they was, have other tricks There was two things, sleeve?
2: two things I forgot to mention. One, they announced a $200 million buyback. That's kind of small. Two, their chief revenue officer is resigning.
4: In any regard, maybe it bounces. It's massively oversold. I'm not going to be short it down here at $77. It's way nope. oversold, but not buying this and saying well eventually it's going to go back to 300 what rational thought can bring you back to 300 they've got to do a lot more than just take the pen and the paper and put it online maybe they do and maybe they change themselves up but as of right now it's really a one trick pony business so show me some more tricks and then maybe i'll get interested
3: i gotta agree there with the fundamentals uh the technicals I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull one out of uh, the playbook from yesterday, and I don't know if it's gonna work. Uh, 76, right? I mean, there's no doubt someone has a little opinion here at 76, right? I don't know if they're, you know, on the 90 puts or they're trying to build a, you know, whatever they're doing. There's some buying interest at 76. I don't have anything on the monthlies, but uh, I'm just gonna go back to the Asana chart from yesterday. And your pre-market low was touched in the regular session and you ended up, you know, that's just look at a chart and see if there's some buying interest. So uh, buyer beware, whether are going to pay 77, 78, 79 or 80, I don't know. But uh, if you're looking to cover short a try long that's what I'm looking at in uh, shares of DocuSign. And, and you have Asana up there. Oh, there we go. Well, I did because I wanted to show yeah. what happened in the Talk selling out. yesterday. Yeah. That's I'm trying to illustrate yeah. Yeah. that was the pre-market prep stock of the day, yeah. right? Pre-market low matched the June two, 2021 low as illustrated right here. But I don't have a monthly low for you. That's the only thing that says, Ugh, you know. But you know, DocuSign is a mad uh,
4: respect for the Asana CEO, though. Still, for putting as much. Yeah, yeah, it, we love it. I put really that in the in article.
3: Smoke. I put that in the article, Dennis, that you said. One point two billion is bought in the last. Scene. Mad mm-hmm. respect.
2: Um, doesn't matter. And, and and so this morning, uh, just follow up on the DocuSign. You're getting one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, least more than a half dozen analysts coming out who have to play price target. Oh, geez. They still have uh, neutral ratings and bullish ratings on the stock. So the other catalyst here is what happens when the street turns on, I mean, the analysts, what happens when the analysts turn on them and start Mm -hmm. downgrading this thing to underperform to sell? That's another catalyst that we haven't even gotten yet because the streets, the analysts there are still mostly positive on the stock. They're at their price order. It's so way so
4: many wrong. I wouldn't even like for sure. Notice like how that, quiet it is in the analyst. Oh, community? we don't even it talk about so it. quiet. You see, like, a few ratings, we just get like 30, 40 ratings changes. day you get like a couple major ones, maybe one, and then you get like a 10 or 12 smaller ones. And they're going to neutral. There's no like convicted buys coming out here. Yeah. Like, and the market's crashing. Aren't you gonna buy some stocks? No, they're too scared, <laughs> you know. Props to Michael Pactor, though. We love him. He's the best. He's our favorite, he he our favorite analyst. Uh, he
2: upgraded Netflix.
4: I know. That's what I was gonna say. Upgraded Netflix. And you know what? He's he admits when he's wrong. This is why I love Michael Pactor. He's on CNBC there yesterday and talking about, it and he's like, he's like, Well, you know, it's come back down, and you know, it's back my price target, so I went to neutral. He's like, I was wrong on this for 10 years. So no, like, that's right exactly today. what I <laughs> he said. said. I've been wrong on this for 10 years. But it
3: came back down to my price target, so I'm going neutral. <laughs> I I if we if we talked about that. I don't know if that was the day you're off. It was like, you know, you talk about wiggling, wiggling out of a bad trade or something. He was wiggling and wiggling, oh, yeah. and he, yeah, he finally I got you know,
4: he admits it though. Like so many analysts make excuses. Oh well, this happened or this happened. He's on there, he just says, I got this wrong for 10 years i mad respect for that. You know, this is the successful analysts and the, the successful traders in this world, and the, and the successful people in this world. Just admit when they're wrong and fix it. Don't like sit there and make excuses and try to figure out. You know, well, you know, why, why you're right? No, you're wrong. Stop doing what you're doing and fix it. Do you know when who I hit it out of the park? You were, you business were. Business uh,
3: admit uh, when they're G. wrong and identify quickly and fix the problem. Don't, but don't put Gene in that category. He he was on uh on Wednesday the day you were out again, and uh he and we threw some tough questions at him, and you know he, you know talked about you know what stocks he was looking at, and uh so you know obviously he's uh you know the perma bull, but uh, he's been cautious, and he mentioned he mentioned he was looking at Zoom, uh Dennis, I, did he say he had a position in Zoom? Uh, Spencer, or was he waiting on
2: he, it? He was bull. I don't. I don't know if he was actually along, but he was bullish. He was definitely bullish. Zoom. Yeah. How
4: right. oversold is this thing, though? <laughs> Look at this chart. This thing is just straight down, six barely a rally split. from three hundred to one hundred. There's been a few little vicious six hundred, but it is a take. Your Jeff Mackie... Jeff. Hey, hey, Jeff. We always give him the shout. Out. Jeff Mackie, purple crayon on that top right chart, and draw the line. And don't even think about buying it until it starts to break that purple crayon to the upside, because this line just continues to go down. Yeah, There's no, absolutely no reason to be a hero and say zoom is bottomed. You know, you can say from a valuation perspective, but until that trend, that purple crayon trend. I'm looking at the top right one. Do it on the top right one. Top. How about oh, all
3: right. Uh, top right? Okay. Yeah,
4: that one's better. Oh, top I right. finally top, got one right. Yeah, do the, yeah, do the top right ones. one. That one's too steep. I know, I know, that, know Chris. I also draw the line. It. Jeff Mackey It's not purple. Oh. It should be purple. Well, Give me okay, a though. second, man. Did... There, oh! there it is. Oh, sure. We'll go plugged. with that. Good enough. Until it gets oh! above that line, it's a no touch for me. Oh,
3: look at this. Until it gets above that line.
4: No right. touching right. bounces, people are gonna make some
2: money. We're having, fun, we're having fun, we're having fun with trend lines here. Uh while Joel's doing that, let me move on here to the next stock. Um, although it's gonna be more of the same, I'm afraid. Ooh, Rivian that, Rivian, oh, this gosh. was a disaster. Whatever uh the true cause of them massively lowering their delivery guidance is whether it's whether it <laughs> w- whether it really is global supply chains, or it's just the fact that making cars is really, really hard. Um, whatever the reason is, uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever know the true reason, but at the bottom line here is Rivian has uh, massively lowered the bar for themselves. They lowered, the, the numbers are what they are. The, the losses are widening. And then they said that they're going, their target is 25,000 um, cars this year. Which is half of what they said during their IPO roadshow. They got it to make 25,000 cars this year. And
4: what was that noise? Was that you, Dennis? Yeah, I'm just vomiting, just thinking about this. (laughs) I mean, this is still worth $33 billion, Joel. They haven't even made a car. What are people doing? Like they bought this up to $179 a share back in November. What was the market cap then?
3: God, I don't know. 5
4: times that. It was worth it was worth more than General Motors and Ford combined. And they never had a car before. Everything combined. That's how stupid people are. Like honestly, anybody who bought that $179 is no other excuse. You just weren't doing your homework. We've hated this stock since birth which means in November, when it was $100, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. 120 140 160 definitely wrong for the first five days. Hated oh, it the totally whole time. Going to keep hating this stock. So is it oversold? Yeah. Is it going to have dead cap bounces? Yeah. Is it worth $33 billion? I don't think so. I think it's worth like, I don't know. You can't put a value. How do you know about- It wait, could how make cars. It could eventually.
3: They... Wait, don't they just make that ugly looking van? I don't know. So, Do
4: they I
2: mean, make any? They haven't
3: made a Kirby? Have, have they ever sold a car the, yet?
2: The term "ugly" is subjective. Um, Put
3: it up there. It's like uh, it's make... like these vans. It's that you've been seeing that you know that um, it's been out like it, it looks like a Scooby Doo van. No,
2: it doesn't. Yes, it does.
3: No, it, it
2: looks <laughs> like a Scooby Doo van. What was the Scooby Doo van's name?
4: The mystery, the mystery of mobile, <laughs> whatever. That does not oh, it looks um, like a sport track. That one on the left, the Ford Sport track. And Ford, no, remember, that's not the one I'm Ford taking. Ford invented on. that a decade ago.
2: I had one. It was a cool car 15 years ago. They just copied Great. that from Ford. Remember, they also just raised prices and then they had to backtrack because everyone was like, You're raising prices on now? And they're like, oh, Okay, my, our bad, our bad. We're gonna All go. right. Just want to stay here for Dennis. They produced 1,015 vehicles, delivering oh. 920
0: last year.
4: Oh, well, they made 900 cars. Okay, that's it. a start. That's worth $33 billion. That's the market cap today. So people are saying, well, I'm going to buy Rivian. It's so cheap. Is it cheap? It's worth $33 billion still. How is that cheap? Uh, it was $3 billion. I'd be like, okay, well, maybe this makes some sense, but that would take it to $3.70. <laughs> so I, I maybe at that point in time, as a value investor, I might say, okay, I can see potential here. You, you bought When you're paying $100 billion for this company back when it was over $100 a share, There's no upside. It's all priced in. It has to be perfect to even get to that. And obviously, it's not going to be the case. The supply chain issues and everything else is hitting them too. Move on here. Better stories out there. Better stories.
2: Yeah, that's the bottom line here. Uh, It's going to be tough. Maybe they can do it. Common
4: sense wins in 2022. Use common sense. Do your fundamentals. Take five minutes. Look at the market cap. Look what you're buying. Don't look at price. Look at the market cap. Because the market cap will tell you a lot more. What are people really paying for this? Is there the potential for this to grow into a huge company? When they start with a market cap bigger than General Motors, and they're a concept really at that point in time, how does that make any sense? They're not all going to be Tesla. They're not all Elon Musk. I mean, we got Tesla dead wrong for a long time. I mean, Elon Musk is a genius. And he's re- figured out so many different things, and you know that's a reason Tesla. But not all of these EV companies are going to be Tesla. Like, do you think Ride is coming back? Do we think Lordstown Motors is going to eventually be back at like, where was the whole time high on this puppy? Thirty-two dollars. I got me times bucks. it
3: went up there, like there too. That.
4: Why Look can't what... Rivian go to two bucks? It could. Not saying it's gonna, but not saying at thirty-three billion dollars is not cheap. They better start producing
2: some cars, a lot more cars. There's a Next. lot. Of, there's a lot of these companies out there too. All right, let's move on quickly. We're going to bring on Cameron Dawson. There's just a couple of the movers I want to get to. PSO Pearson. Uh, anyone that's been to college in the last 20 years knows what Pearson is, the maker of those expensive, overpriced textbooks. Apparently, approached twice by Apollo for a takeover that they've rejected both times. So PSO is trading higher because they've there's a apparent a cash offer on the table. And nice. that, they, that they've said no dice to. I, I don't know. 2.65% dividend I had, so at least he got some value there. I don't follow his company at all. What do they do? I don't even know what Text they books. do. Textbooks. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're the company that charges you 800 bucks for a textbook that you're never going to read. Oh, this is real stuff, though. The stuff trade. Look, Apollo's buying the stuff trade,
4: which kind of makes sense. I like it better because it's not online. <laughs> or maybe
2: it is online.
4: No, well, Physical they, well,
3: textbooks. Yeah, I like stuff. I like buying business.
2: stuff. They have an online business too. So
3: They have textbooks okay. in college?
2: Yeah, right, Joel. <laughs> Joel wouldn't even know
4: about this. Joel, <laughs> Joel never bought the textbook. Joel
3: never bought a textbook.
4: Never bought the textbook. You wait.
3: Well, you wait like two, three weeks. You know, and then, then you they, a they're on sale. The
4: kid that drops out, That's
3: it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't like
4: know. I don't buy them. Be, in, in two weeks, there'll be like half a dozen kids that drop out. I'll buy their textbooks for twenty five cents on the dollar. Uh,
3: That's course cool pack, man. He you guys everything. have? Did you he guys have life. course packs? Did you guys have course packs? Uh, sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, you yeah, they would just like they wouldn't be in the textbook, but you got to get the course pack, and it'd be like you know three hundred sheets of you know paper or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. All right. um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. What's the price on this one? I can't really, you know, where where are they supposedly uh, what what's a cash offer at? Is it you that's, know that's, a takeout? Uh, uh, so, uh, I don't know. Uh, what, okay.
2: I I don't know what the the, the it's the, already kind of probably are.
4: Barnes and Noble's there, so. still around?
2: It trades over here. No, it's not over because there's no there's no deal. It's not over. Oh, it's it's just a rumor. They rejected yeah. the deal.
4: Oh, well, anyways. All right. Okay, quickly, ADR, it's it's not it's not on my number one list. Of
2: quickly, today. Oracle from last night earnings oh. per share missed sales beat. They gave guidance on the call. Uh, that was good. They gave some uh, EPS guidance above the estimate on the call.
4: I sold my Oracle sometime, and I don't even know when. I went to my portfolio, and I was like, I've still got Oracle somewhere. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, when the heck did I sell Oracle? But I did. I've sold my long-term Oracle. I bought it back during the financial crisis for $9 a share. And at some point in time, I think what I, where it was, it was in my registered account. So I didn't have to pay the tax. That's probably why I did it. Uh, so anyways, I don't know where I sold it, but I'm out of Oracle. I'm actually disappointed that I'm out of Oracle. But I must have panicked sometime in there. <laughs> and I'm out.
3: So, uh, Wow, look at that. You got down to 70 and a quarter. And that initial dip, and look where your your February low was. seventy twenty three. Holy mackerel. Six bucks off that. You're not going to get another look at 70 for a while. Cheap stock.
4: This is a cheap stock. Yeah, this is actually one that I've had for a long time. I actually
3: probably should rebuy it. Yeah, you should.
4: I probably seventy should and a quarter. Side.
3: If it wow, that was quick, and then it wow, then it rebounded back over seventy seven. You know what? You get this is a little bit of a reset here um, because I keep an eye on seventy five a little bit longer term because uh, that was the lows in the last two sessions. You're above it, so will it make a triple bottom? Probably not, but at least there was buying interest there two days in a row. Um, and then, you know, if it do, really like it down there at 70 and a quarter, I don't I don't think you're going to see that for a while, though.
2: All right. Let's bring on today's guest, uh, Cameron Dawson, chief market strategist at Field Point Private. She was also kind enough to send over uh, some very well-researched slides that nice. I can't wait to get to. Let's get Cameron on the show right now. Cameron, good morning.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you.
2: Welcome back. Did you, did you read your textbooks in college like a good student?
1: No. I didn't. I think I bought them before the semester started, so I'm Pearson's best customer.
2: Yeah. Nice. Yep. And then and then resold them at the end of the year for a slight loss, like the rest of us. Um, mm. But Cameron, give us this. Our overall here. Uh, we we were emailing back and forth yesterday. What about Dennis's question? that he wanted oh, yeah. to ask her? Okay, fine. You want ask your question, Dennis? Go. Oh, ahead. we
4: started talking about gangster rap, and I was like, and then we said Cameron Doss, I was like, I bet you Cameron likes gangster rap. Were
2: you a gangster <laughs> rap fan?
1: At times, I mean, I have a Britpop book behind me, so I think that that's kind of (laughs) a little bit more of the direction that I'm leaning.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no to gangster rap for Cameron. That's okay, though. (laughs) But we love Cameron's market analysis. Let's talk this market, this headline-driven market, because I feel like it's like we're up, we're down. Headline's coming out of Ukraine. It feels like 10 times a day. How do you approach a market like this?
1: Well, I think that we have to start from the starting point of where were we before Russia, Ukraine happened? We were on the path for tighter Fed liquidity, and does the tensions in Russia-Ukraine change that path? And the message from the Fed has been absolutely not. We heard from Powell's March third testimony that they're willing to sacrifice growth in order to control inflation, which means that even if we see weaker growth come from higher energy prices, higher food prices in response to all of these headlines, the Fed is going to focus on the CPI numbers on the core PC numbers and say they're not coming down, and so we will need to continue to tighten policy. So the direction of this market means that the liquidity continues to recede. We're going to be stuck in this sideways chop, and that the Russia-Ukraine really doesn't change that because the Fed is set on that path.
2: Um, Cameron, I want to bring up this chart. Uh, Last time you were on, you you asked, are we there yet? With reference to a a bottom in the market. And you're asking that question again. But my my question for you, as I bring this up on the screen, uh, you want to see all of these indicators before you're comfortable saying the market is bottomed?
1: No, no. Then you'd never be a buyer. (laughs) I'm
2: wondering. Okay
1: you know so 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 these indicators are really if you see all of these things hit this would be indicative of a generational low a back up the truck kind of scenario where it looks like the lows of 2020 the lows of 2008 2009 and and so this is more of a way to make sure that we're seeing in asking the question, if we're seeing so much bearishness out in the market, is that actually being reflected in positioning? Because that's been one of the weird paradoxes over the past couple of weeks. If you look at the AAII bull bear survey, it shows that there are a lot of bears out there. But quite interestingly, nobody's selling. We don't see signs that there is a big positioning flush where you see people throwing the baby out with the bathwater, where fear is spiking so much that people are saying, get me out at any price. That's simply not happening yet. So what we think this means is that you can see relief rallies from here. We had the second to worst start for the S&P 500 ever on record to start this year. So a relief rally is expected. But is that ultimate low, that big strategic low that you can step in and buy indiscriminately, is that already happened or is that still in front of us? And I think it's still in front of us. So you can look at the shorter term factors. These, A lot of these are longer term factors. And again, it's about the generational low if you hit all of those things. But we'd like to see a little bit more of these before we start getting really aggressive and starting to buy.
3: I want to hop in here for one second. Mm -hmm. Can you have two generational lows? I mean, was the COVID 2020 low, March 2020 low? Because it'd be You know, was that, can you have a second one? Because that kind of felt like a generational low to me. But is it possible to get another one?
1: Well, we saw two once-in-a-lifetime bear markets in one decade in the 2000s. And I think this is all a reflection of and this is all a possibility of the fact of we've had so much intervention into markets and we can't get anchored to the prices at the end of 2021. That closing price at December 31st, 2021 was such a rarity. We had growth that was at multi-decade highs at the same time that we had crisis level stimulus. That combination should never happen, and it won't happen likely going forward because we have growth receding and stimulus coming in. So that doesn't mean we have to retest the lows of, of 2020, but we should be Pulling back more to some of these trends before we really want to step in and get aggressive. What we've been telling clients is that if you're underweight in equities right now, if you are sitting on a big pile of cash, sure, start building positions into weakness. But we're not making the call yet to go big, huge strategic overweights into equities simply because we haven't seen that kind of flush selling that would be consistent with a really major low. Dennis,
2: I, I mean, think you just, been I, I I think just talking God. to you, Dennis,
4: for. So many stocks here. Um, And, you know, it's a lot of the growthy names, obviously, have been in a bear market for well over a year now. But Mm the slow, slow death, like just slowly bleeding, slowly bleeding. It's like some stocks, I look at them like, when did that stock get down to this price? And it was just slow, steady. It wasn't like a whoosh. They weren't all like PayPal where they're falling 25% in a day. Some just lost 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%. And then you look back two months later, you're like, that stock's down 50%. It's like, when did this happen? so there's no capitulation there's no like everybody washed out they're all holding and all of a sudden they just look and they're like when did i get down 50 percent in there there wasn't like a cataclysmic event it was just a slow steady bleed out
1: but that point about no capitulation is so important i think in the slides i showed margin debt and if you look at the finra margin loan balances you know, a lot of the the stocks that are very popular in retail accounts are down 40, 50, 60 percent, but margin loans have only fallen 2 percent in the last 6 months. So that tells you that people aren't capitulating. They're not throwing in the towel. And if they're getting margin called, they might be actually adding cash to portfolios instead of instead of taking risk off the table. We can also see this by looking at arc. So arc is sort of the prototypical part of this trade and you know the chart is just incredible. So one of the ways to measure inflows into an ETF is look at the number of shares outstanding. Over the course of the 2020 bull run, shares grew by more than 400%. They've only fallen by 13% despite a 60% drawdown in that etf from from its peak which tells you that there's zero capitulation here people aren't selling and they actually have been buying over the last couple of weeks lows do not happen when people are holding on to positions lows happen when they can't take it anymore they give up just right. get me out of here get me into defensive give me protection i can't take it now that doesn't mean we can't see these counter trend rallies because if you look at where arc is trading or other tech stocks are trading versus their now downward sloping 200-day moving averages, they're quite oversold on that metric. And so we can see bounces, but be very skeptical of those rallies because as soon as you start to hit that overhead resistance, those downtrends are now so powerful, I would expect them to start to roll over and weaken, which means that the ultimate lows for a lot of these names also aren't in and probably won't be in until we get that capitulation.
2: It's funny that you bring this up because we were talking about this this morning before the show even started. We were talking about the same exact thing. And I was noting that, yeah, there's been net inflows the last few weeks. People are still buying, uh, which is pretty wild to think about in light of the, the performance of these funds in the last. last it
4: tells weeks. you that we haven't shaken that buy the dip mentality yet. And yeah. and to, to Cameron's point, you're never going to get a capitulation here on, as, as long as people are still coming in and buying the dip. You'll see the bottom when people are like, I'm not buying the dip." And obviously, people are still buying the dip in ARC.
1: And the thing is, there's money to be made, of course, if you're a very short-term trader in the bounces off of oversold conditions. I think the last time that we spoke, we talked about how there were massive counter-trend rallies during the 80% drawdown of the NASDAQ in the, two, in the early 2000s. You had rallies as large as 45% during that time, but the lows continue to happen. I mean, it's this death by a 1,000 cuts. And so to keep that in mind, you just have to be very, very careful and not be drawn into bull traps, because I think that can be very dangerous as you start hitting that overhead resistance.
2: Good, good question from the chat. Uh, who, who just asked this? Uh, does there have, yeah, from Carmen, does there have to be capitulation?
1: Not for a short-term rally. But there's been capitulation that sets up for every big bull market advance. That's what makes returns strong coming out of bear markets. It's that everybody's given up. Everybody's bearish and everybody's sold. And the fact that then there is a wall of worry that has to be climbed, the fact that valuations have been so washed out is what sets you up for multi-year advances. So if the call is just that, hey, maybe this can have a 20% pop because it's been so oversold, sure, that can happen. But if we're trying to make the call that we're going to have a return to the kind of bull market events that we had over the last two years or coming out of 2018, that call is difficult to make without capitulation.
3: Yeah, and just to illustrate your point, or uh, in the March 2020, I mean, people were just getting out, right? And it went down and down and down. And a lot of, even the big funds, big investors, individual investors, and then it turned. And it turned, so fast, so fast that I they did not have a chance to like redeploy those assets. And I mean, there were, there were certain pauses in the market, but remember everyone was waiting for the retest of, uh, of, you know, oh, we're going to retest 2200. We I have to too. retest 2200 <laughs> yeah. and we never
1: did. Well, liquidity was so powerful. You know, that was the point is that despite actually the, the headlines got worse Uh, on the COVID front coming out of that bottom. But the liquidity that the Fed injected was so incredibly powerful that that's what set up for the advance. Now, here's what's really interesting when we think about the other times that we saw big bear markets or drawdowns over the last cycle. So 11, 16, 18, 20 every single time the fed stepped in to stabilize markets in one way whether it was adding qe backing off of interest rate hikes or signaling in 2018 that they weren't going to have balance sheet runoff in in autopilot mode and they eventually cut interest rates so the fed stepped in to be that stabilizer for markets but how does the fed step in now when inflation each of those times was at or below their two percent target Now it's double their target. So it's really hard to see the Fed want to step in to be the savior of markets when inflation is so high. There's also one kind of nuance here, but it's so important. And it's that the Fed cares more about funding and credit markets than it does about equity markets. The Fed cares about the underlying plumbing of the economy working. It wants to keep that operating. That's why they inject liquidity. But a lot of the facilities that they put in place to keep markets, those funding markets stable during the COVID meltdown, those remain in place. It's one of the reasons why we haven't seen acute funding stress over the past couple of weeks, despite all this volatility in global markets. So if the funding markets stay healthy, if credit markets don't completely seize up, why would the Fed have to step in and support equities? And so I think that's a really important question to ask when we think about where that Fed put is. What's the level of pain tolerance that the Fed would have to see before they step in to be accommodative?
2: All this being said, though, going back to the conversation about capitulation, I want to bring up this slide. We've, uh, just International markets, looking outside the U.S., emerging, develop, uh, international emerging, international developed, getting crushed still. Cameron is this not
1: is this not what we just talked about yeah I think that these markets actually could be getting close to capitulation there was some interesting data That, that came out of, of the B of A fund manager survey just yesterday that showed massive outflows from international, mostly in European equities. And so when you see huge outflows and you actually have very, I think, multi-decade lows in relative valuation, we could be getting close. Now, you could step in and try to be a buyer and, and kind of catch a falling knife in some of these areas. And we certainly are seeing bounces off of oversold, conditions. But I'd say before adding two positions, you need to be seeing some signs that this relative performance is turning because that's what's hard. Until then, it's a value trap compared to the U.S. As long as that relative downtrend remains intact. And actually, we've been making new relative lows, maybe not today because we're seeing those rallies. But I think it's starting to look more attractive because you are seeing that positioning flush, which you aren't seeing in the U.S.,
2: You're making me never want to buy anything ever again.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, that's not my point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do here. just saying we're not there yet to go all in. We're not there yet. Fine. Uh, And then I I thought this was notable. Uh, Dividends. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I, Cameron, we were emailing yesterday, uh, and you had noted the relative outperformance of of the uh, dividend factor this year. And I was like, I was surprised to see that. But then I looked under the hood, and I saw, oh, well, this particular fund that you're noting has a lot of Chevron and Exxon in it. So that's like cheating. In 2022, I I feel like. Um, But dividends have outperformed the broader market this year. So I guess there is something to hang your hat on. There you go.
1: Well, so this fund here, which is the the index of high dividend payers, it's an equal weighted fund. So it benefits, of course, from the surge that we've seen in high dividend areas like in energy. So that helps it a lot. But because it's equal weighted, it's about 80 constituents. That tells you that this is broad improvement for dividends. And I think that there's a valuation story to tell here. So if we go all the way back to 2017, dividends, high dividends were trading at about the same valuation as the overall market. But when the Fed pivoted and turned accommodative in 2018, when it cut interest rates, when we were had a 50-year low in unemployment, that caused a massive expansion in the valuations for growth, tech, long-duration stocks, and a collapse in the valuations of high-dividend pairs, those short-duration cash flows that get you your money now. So that bottomed in 2020, and we're starting to see that valuation gap start to close, but they still traded a 30% discount to the S&P 500. So if the Fed, and we do think it will continue on this tighter liquidity path, I think this valuation discount can close, which does help set up for better performance for those high dividend pairs. That's not just about hey, the fact that the energy is rallying so much. So I think the setup for dividends is actually quite attractive in an area where I would be buying uh, versus some of like the, the, the high duration uh, tech names that that could see oversold bounces um, Um, But certainly are in in weaker trends.
2: So if tech is up here, dividends down here and the gap closes, is it more of dividends catching up, tech coming down or just a combo of the two?
1: Well, I think it's, it's a combo of the two, but I think it's more tech coming down. And that's what we've seen this year is that we've seen a big, huge drop in growth valuations but valuations haven't actually gone up. And so the the valuation compression in this market is all because growth is getting hit. And what's really interesting is that that we've seen a very strong correlation between growth valuations and real rates. So real rates going down has pushed growth valuations higher and real rates going up this year has dragged down growth valuations so much. But what's interesting in the last two weeks, real rates have actually fallen again. They're back to negative 1% but growth valuations aren't budging. And I think this is investors sniffing out that the liquidity environment is changing, that the environment for long duration is changing and we're not seeing a bid to those growth valuations. So if we do see a little bit of support from growth, uh, from, from those deep real interest rates, what we'd say is that that would probably be a good selling opportunity to rebalance because we've been wanting to be balanced from value and growth over the past few months because we saw this risk to growth value because of real rates.
3: Cameron, last time you were on, uh, you mentioned uh, it was before the Olympics and before the war and everything that was going on. And you talked about uh, perhaps a a rally um, in the Chinese stocks. And uh, we got some bad news yesterday. Mm -hmm. Are, Are you seeing any kind of setups here still sticking with that scenario? Just wanted to get an update on that.
1: Yeah, quite interestingly, the addition of liquidity into the Chinese market has actually surprised to the downside over the past few weeks post the Olympics. We saw M2 money supply growth decelerate. That's one of the key things that we're watching for to see stimulus re-enter the market. And there have been signs that China is trying to stabilize this equity market, and it's simply not working. And so we saw this morning a lot of weakness in the H in the H shares market uh, because of the headlines about you know, more, more constraints on the regulatory front. Um, you know, we're at multi-year lows in those markets. We could you know probably do some analysis to see if there's signs of capitulation. But we do think that China still has to stimulate its economy quite aggressively in order to be able to set up for that big party Congress meeting back at the end of this year. But there was another nuance when we were talking about that, which is that because the regulatory environment in China, the crackdown on tech, maybe the better way to play China stimulus is not within China, but within the periphery and saying, what are the areas of the market that benefit from China stimulus? If China starts going back to infrastructure, does that help commodity producers and and other Southeast Asian countries that feed into, into that stimulus? I still think that that's The better way to play China stimulus just because the regulatory environment is so difficult to tell, mostly as an outsider without boots on the ground, really difficult to have an edge in that environment.
2: I think you mentioned last time South Korea, uh, Singapore, uh, India, the other those those types of markets that are around China. Um, Cameron Dawson, chief market strategist at Fieldpoint Private Cameron, it is always a pleasure to have you on, thank you so much awesome. for being on for your prep today.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: thanks <laughs> party guys, guys, smash that like button for us for Cameron Dawson. We appreciate her time as always. I know we kept her a little long there. We
4: got. I think oh. she's number one on the most well-prepared list. Oh, definitely. that's unbelievable. Uh, Dennis, slides. you know what? Very few get... people send us slides. <laughs> I'm like the most.
3: I'm like the Shh. least prepared. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: she's awesome. She's,
3: she's prepared, man. We didn't get how, how many other slides did she have? Oh, Wait, I don't know. It like a dozen, Twenty more. Yeah. We, we didn't have time to cover. We got to bring her back. Get onto those other
4: slides. And everything she says makes sense. I mean, it's the exact opposite of like Kathy Wood. Like she's like makes perfect <laughs> sense here. Why, why you like, got exactly go to go there, Dennis? Why you? Gotta- she want just because because Kathy's still getting inflows. Who's investing with her? I feel bad for these people. She's like, she makes sense i would i'd invest in the cameron dawson fund she makes a lot of sense dodge
3: is going to be the uh symbol d-a-w-s the symbol, yeah. we're a public symbol yeah. all right that's good is
4: it there d-a-w-s the we're launching our fund i don't know i'm, <laughs> no, no. I'm it's, investing
3: it's eight
2: let's do some ticker time for a few minutes here uh drop a ticker for us in the chat if you can okay sure triple d can you look at chevron yeah let's look at chevron why why the heck not it
3: goes up every day it seems like Just not noting, I mean, we are eroding here. This is such,
4: you know, but Cameron is just talking about capitulation. Like, we're getting to a point on some of these oil stocks where it almost feels like upside capitulation. This is getting silly. 140 to 175. I mean, some of the other oil stocks. Why is Chevron going so much more than the other? I know.
3: Chevron's like
4: usually a lower beta, but right now it's blasting off more than some of the other oil stocks. I mean, Exxon isn't doing this. Look at Exxon. I in the know, last I've two weeks, 80 to 85, Chevron in the last two weeks from 140 to 180. I, I mean, or 165, I guess, this morning, but the, it, the charts don't even look the same. I pair things. I pair these up. I mean, Exxon almost revisited the level of broke out from Chevron, broke out from 140. So there's something happening here where I don't know if there's some squeezing going on or something, but Chevron, for some reason, is really taking off a lot more than some of the other oil companies
3: uh getting hit today down five bucks uh let's see what's the bottom of yesterday's range use one one sixty eight twenty nine uh as resistance uh since you're trading below and uh the old time closing high if you if that's not good enough for you the old time closing high was from yesterday one seventy eighty two and uh the other uh, second all-time closing high was up there, one seventy fifty. So trading down, one hundred seventy-two thousand shares. Oil's up. Look, maybe you just have one big seller in there today, but uh, uh, trading down two and a half percent. Next daily low. If you want to look at it, one sixty-one twenty-nine is your next daily low. And
2: then at the rate we're going, Joel, give 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 it another what would you say hour and a half, two hours, and we'll be back to where we started in uh, the S&P future is right when that leaking, big yeah. Turn. Yeah, we're right when that Putin comment. It's the uh, same it, story
4: it. every day here. We're like Groundhog Day. You know, yeah. the movie Groundhog Day. It just keeps repeating, and there's a headline, and then we go up on the headline, and then there's another headline, and then we go down on that headline. And I mean, the chop is there. The chop is there to be traded. But when you're ripping up 60 handles, and you're like, oh, i got to buy something.
3: There's no way.
4: It just, it just, you know, hit yourself a little bit. It's like, well, wait a second. I'm not supposed to be buying rips. R- write, write that down. Take your sticky tab you know, and and write down on a piece of paper. Buy dips, sell rips. Don't do the opposite. And uh, it is working in 2022.
2: And then someone in the chat just said CVX is a short squeeze. It is. This is not a short squeeze. There is 1% of the float sold short. That ain't a squeeze. Yeah. It's easy to borrow. It's thick.
4: There's liquidity. Something else going on there, though. And maybe uh, maybe, I mean,
3: it also has the Warren uh, tailwind. Is
4: right? that what it is? I,
3: I mean, I, I, I'm just saying that that's the one that, you yeah. know that he, he's been in, so that has a little bit of a, you know, go with Warren that seems to be working uh, quite well. That's even your all-time high. but Like, uh- it's
4: the reason I bought Halliburton and not Chevron was a little bit of a catch-up trade, but also and did a little d- different business, but just because there was no pullback in Chevron. I mean, you know, even the fullback dip, we're not back at 140 where we broke out from. Like, somebody was saying, look at Devon Energy. I mean, it hasn't really went at all. I mean, again, different had business, for, yeah. a little bit, yeah, a little bit of natty gas, a little bit of different business. But, you know, not every energy stock is blasting off 30, 40 percent. So is there some catch up trades here? And Maybe. It, it,
2: if you ever want to know the, the power of some analysts, thanks to Mitch for reminding me about this. JP Morgan downgraded Chevron this morning. That's worth four bucks here because it's down four dollars this morning chevron is so that's why it's down more that's why it's down four bucks is because uh jp morgan it. but it's, again they're they're calling they're basically calling a top here so good luck with that um, it's
4: tough and again i've tried to call tops many times my 22 trading <laughs> years and i'm usually not getting the top it's a hard thing to call the bottom it's a hard thing to call the top
2: all right it is 901 guys we're gonna hop uh, Joel's gonna go over to premarketprep.com. Yeah, I
3: got I got Sean. I got Sean Udall coming on. He's gonna talk uh, you know, he's gonna talk some Rivian. he's gonna talk some oil. You know how he loves talking Nasdaq. So we'll see if he's uh, trying to sell the rip here or buy the dip, and we'll talk to you guys later on.
2: Uh, we're gonna hop off as well, go over to live trading with Benzinga. Um, so guys, smash that like button for us. We appreciate wherever you're watching this show. If you're watching us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Facebook, if you're even if you're watching us on LinkedIn, there's gotta be like a, a thumbs up button on a LinkedIn. Uh, somewhere. So do us a favor, hit that button. Uh, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to our guest today, Cameron Dawson. Reminder, we are six or so weeks away from the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. Check out the details in the description of this video. Uh, discount code 30% off with the code SHOWS30. Go to bzcannabis.com, enter the code on the screen there, SHOWS30, to get 30% off your ticket. As always, get Benzinga Pro. Free trial for everyone, pro.benzinga.com. All right, we're done. Live trading with Benzinga, Benzinga going live in a few minutes today. No all access today, so you guys asked for more live trading. We're doing live trading. We You give us feedback, you ask, and we deliver. So they're going live here, and I'm done. Good luck at the open.